Grab your Bibles. I got to tell you what somebody said. I, I got to be careful. I look around first, see if the person's in here. It's a teenager. I don't think they're in here. A dad told me recently, and if, if you're in here and you hear this, this is not criticism, this is funny. I'm laughing. I made a comment about, we're going on our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. And one of our teenagers whispered to their dad, this isn't a journey through Mark, this is crawling through the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> so join us as we crawl through the Gospel of Mark. But here's what I know. Sometimes in life, when I'm tracking a deer, I've got to get on my hands and knees and crawl to find the trail. You know why? Sometimes you've got you to slow down in life. And uh, we're slowing down, we're taking it all in as we go through the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark is this unique book um, in that it's basically just little story snapshots, one after another, and there, a lot of them aren't necessarily related other than to show the big picture of who Jesus is, and so they're all unique. And we could, I, I told a pastor recently, he, he called me, he said, I know you're preaching through Mark, talk to me about preaching through Mark. What resources are you to do? How's God led you to do it? Um, I actually said this, I've heard it's going really well, and I want to know what you're doing in it. I said, here's the cool thing of Mark. You would never probably have to preach any other book in the Bible because it just takes you all the way through everything in, in the whole Word of God. So we're kind of creeping our way through if you're visiting. And we've been creeping for a while. We've got to chapter 9. Now, we did jump ahead at the, at the holidays. We went to the end of the book already. And on Mother's Day, we jumped ahead but, um, to different sections that applied. But now as we get back to our order, we're in, in chapter 9 of Mark. And we're going to start reading this story that in my Bible is titled this, All Things Are Possible. Who likes that? Who thinks it's pretty good to go to a section of Scripture that says, all things are possible? I like that. So chapter 9 of Mark, starting in the 14th verse, says this. And when they came back to the disciples, now remember, came back from where? A couple weeks ago, it seems like a year ago, we talked about where they were. Jesus and, uh, um, and his three closest disciples had been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They'd encountered Jesus being revealed to them in his divinity. They had seen what other people only hoped for. They got the revelation because they pressed on in their tiredness to the top of the mountain with Jesus, um, not being weary and well-doing, um, that they received a greater revelation of Christ. They saw him in all of his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now they're coming off the mountain, and this is what they come into. And when they come back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes, who are the religious leaders of the day, arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began to run up to, to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought to you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth, and he stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered then and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Does that make you laugh that Jesus gets ticked off at people? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And the exclamation point. He's ticked. Bring him to me. Verse 20. And they brought the boy to him, and he saw him. Immediately the spirit threw him into convulsions, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, to him, said From his childhood. And it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy cried out and asked, 
the, the, the boy's father cried out and asked, I do believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it, became, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up, and, got, and he got up. And when he came into the house, the disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot come out, this kind cannot come out by anything but by prayer. Stop right there. Now, that's a pretty common section of scripture. If you've been around the church world at all, you've heard this preached about, you've read it, you, you're familiar with it. And people, when they read this story, I think usually look at this story and think that the heart of what Jesus is teaching, the heart of the story, the meat of the story is in verse 23 that we just read. Verse 23 says, all things are possible to him who believes. Matter of fact, um, they'll take that verse, they'll kind of pull it out of the whole story, and they'll use it as a way to just say, anything I believe can happen. They say that's the heart of what Jesus is teaching here, kind of building their faith and say, if I just believe it, it'll happen. Well, I want to tell you something. I don't agree. I don't believe that this, that that's the heart of the story. I think the heart of the story and the heart of what Jesus is teaching here is the very last sentence that Jesus had recorded in Scripture. It's Jesus' answer for why the disciples were unable to cast the demons out of the boy. It's the why the disciples lacked spiritual power. Because that's what the story is all about here. They lacked spiritual power. They couldn't do the spiritual work that was put before them. The last sentence is Jesus' explanation about how all things are possible to him who believes. So it says all things are possible. The last sentence talks about how that's possible, why it wasn't possible for them. And I don't know about you, but I think this is something that I want to know more about. Because if you've been walking with Jesus for any time or you're brand new to Christ, if Christ is actually in your life, I believe you want spiritual power. You want spiritual power to overcome strongholds in your life? You want spiritual power to change according to God's plan for your life? You want spiritual power to help other people like these men are trying to do that day, to help somebody else who's hurting and bound in problems? You want spiritual power. And so Jesus talks about why they didn't have spiritual power. And he says basically this, it's all about prayer. He says the situation is all about prayer. This whole story is really a story about prayer. Now, not prayer for deliverance for this boy in particular. It's not a story about prayer for deliverance or, or how to pray for healing. Um, that's not what it's really about. It's about what I want to call relationship prayer. Prayer that allows one to know God and to hear the will of God and then to act according to what they hear from God. It's about a prayer relationship with God. You see, Jesus said the reason that they could not cast this demon out the reason they lacked spiritual power was because their prayer life was lacking. Look at verse 23, or 29, 28. He says, why couldn't we drive it out? In verse 29, he gives them an answer. And he said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. He says the lack is about a lack in prayer. Now what's Jesus not mean right there? He does not mean that they were lacking a time of prayer at this particular time. It did not mean that a time of prayer was needed at that particular time in order to drive out this demon 
Because here's the situation they're in. They were praying. They had to scratch their heads a little bit. They were praying. Jesus had already talked to these men. He had sent them out in pairs to go cast out demons in the past. And he had, he had instructed them how to do it. They were to pray in Jesus' name to the Father. And they knew how to pray to cast a demon out. So they were praying in the situation on this day. So he's not saying you, you have to pray right now in the time of need. Rather, Jesus is talking about a principle here. A principle for spiritual power. And it's basically this. We'll give the, the negative and the positive of the principle. It's basically this. Where there is little spiritual power, there is little prayer. However, where there is a great prayer relationship with God, there is great spiritual power. Did you hear me? Where there is a great prayer relationship with God, there is great spiritual power. And I want to explain to you how this works. I'm going to challenge you to do something today. I think I've said this to you before. You know, in school, they used to tell you to put your thinking caps on. Put your thinking cap on because I want to take you through a little process. And if you're just day- daydreaming, you won't follow the process. But it's the process that this, is, this scripture is talking about here today. So here's how it works. This spiritual power being tied to a great prayer relationship with God. First part of the process is this. Spiritual power is a result of the Holy Spirit's activity in and through the life of a Christian. Right? Spiritual, that's pretty simple. Spiritual power is all about the result of the Holy Spirit's activity in and through the life of a Christian. It's the Spirit who does the work. If those men could have just physically, humanly, somehow taken the demon out of the man and ripped it out, they would have done that, but they couldn't do that. It's a spiritual work. Spiritual power is a result of the Holy Spirit's activity. That's simple, right? Right? Okay, we get that. The next step. Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit's activity through us, the spiritual power, that His work through us is tied to the will of God. Kind of the second step in the process. Spiritual power is about the work of the Spirit, and Scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit's work is tied to a will of God. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it says this. It says, This is the confidence which we have before Him, before God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from Him. So what's it say? It says the Holy Spirit's work through us supernaturally, that He will work through us supernaturally as we ask according to His will. You got that? So, it's the work of the Spirit. It works in conjunction with the will of God. We ask according to His will. Then He does the supernatural. He doesn't just do whatever we ask. He does what's in accordance with His will. And that's the part people mess up about this verse so often. They think I can just believe for anything. I can claim a Cadillac. I can claim whatever. And God will give it to you. And that's not what it's saying here. So it's according to the will of God. But then here's the next step. Here's the key to spiritual power working in your life. Understand this. That we can only know what the will of God is in a situation by having a good connection with God via a prayer relationship that is fueled by the Word of God and lived out in obedience. That the, will, that the, the power of God is tied to the work of God, which is tied to the will of God, and we can only know the will of God if we have a connected relationship with God, and that connected relationship comes 
from God with us via a prayer relationship that is fueled by the Word of God and lived out in obedience. So we come to know His will through the relationship. And then we can ask to have what done, what's going to be done. Spiritual power results from a prayer relationship where one hears the will of God and then asks God to fulfill His will through them in a situation. Does that make sense? You need to know the will first before you can know how to pray. So when I hear God tell me what His will is for a situation, either from His Word or from prayer or a combination of the two, when I hear God tell me what His will is for a situation, I can then, with great faith, believe. I can know that all things are possible to him who believes. I can then believe with great faith for that to happen and ask God to fulfill his will. And then as as I do that, then in that great faith, he then does the supernatural work, activity that we've asked him for. However, understand, if the prayer relationship is not there, then someone cannot hear the voice of God in a matter, and then you are left simply guessing about the will of God, which then diminishes your faith and results in a lack of spiritual power because you can't really believe for it, because you don't really know what God wants in a situation. Friends, it all comes down to the prayer relationship. It all comes down, spiritual powers, reality, all comes down to the prayer relationship so you can hear the voice of God and act accordingly. Now I want to show you an illustration to show you how this works. Have you wondered what's underneath this thing this morning? One person said, they didn't peek, they said, I think it's a ready alarm saw. It is not. Another person said, are you unveiling a bust of yourself today? And I said, no, I am not. What's that? It's the proper shape for a bust of me. I have a very long nose. So, would you like to see what's under this? Yes? Okay. What is that? A trolling motor. That is a trolling motor. Anybody know what a trolling motor is? Like you see, I see that over there. I know it's kind of odd. Trolling motor you put on your boat. This happens to come off of my, one of my boats. This is a tiller mount trolling motor. This goes in the back of the boat. I've got one of my boats that goes in the front of the boat. That pulls you. This one pushes you. This is a trolling motor. Um, that what you do with the trolling motor is you take the motor and you hook it up to the battery. This is a battery. It says marine, marine uh, battery here. Special kind of battery you can charge up and drain out and charge up and drain out, unlike your car battery. It doesn't do so good for your car battery. And as I take this trolling motor that has a, an electric motor in here, and it controls up here, and I allow the, the juice to flow into this thing, and I turn it on, the trolling motor turns. Can you see that? So the blade spins so I can go forward. I can go reverse. I could go reverse. I did go reverse. There we go. We go reverse. So it goes forward. It goes reverse. It's a trolling motor. This thing is designed to go on your boat and allow you to push your boat through the water very quietly. You know, my boat also has a gas motor, but I use this one to sneak up to a place quietly so I don't scare the fish away. Or just to move a little while and keep me moving down the lake so I can keep on fishing. So it's a, it's a trolling motor. Now, you say, does everything have to do with fishing? You say, what in the world? Does a trolling motor have to do with spiritual power? And I'm going to tell you it has everything to do with spiritual power. Everything comes back to fishing at some point. You know, Jesus loved fishermen. He chose them to be his closest companions. What, how, you say how? 
How does that relate to spiritual power? It's the system. This system illustrates how God's activity works through our lives. And I want to explain. I want to explain the components of the system. Because you're going to say, hey, it's not that complicated. But you're going to see, if I don't operate according to the God-designed system, it doesn't work. And spiritual power doesn't happen. So first of all, let's talk about the components. Let's start with the, with the trolling motor itself. This is a, a Minn Kota trolling motor. Made by the company of Minn Kota to do something. It's created to do a job. You put it on your boat, you hook it up to the battery, you turn the handle, and it propels you through the water. It pushes you from spot to spot. It was created by its manufacturer to do a job. It's not a mixer. You can't take it home. Take your batter, turn it on its side, and mix cookie dough with it. You could try to. It kind of has a similar opportunity, but it's probably not going to work. It wasn't created to do that. It was created to push a boat through the water. When the system of spiritual power understands something, you are the motor. I am the motor. Understand something today, church. God has created you in His image the way He created you on purpose. He created you and me for a purpose in this world. And to, to sum up the whole purpose is basically this. He created us to live by His kingdom principles in order to advance and expand His kingdom. That's why He created you. To worship Him. To live by His kingdom principles. But not just for you and Him. He created you to live by His kingdom principles, which are, which are found in His word, in order to advance and expand His kingdom in this world. You see, as citizens of, of His kingdom, Scripture shows us that we battle the forces of the kingdom of Satan. And the way we, the way we battle that kingdom and expand God's kingdom is we overcome sin in our life by the power of the Spirit. We break strongholds in our life, both in our lives and by praying for other people to have their strongholds broken. And we help other people come into freedom in God's kingdom. Freedom from sin, freedom from, from problems, freedom from fear. All that happens by coming into the kingdom. Friends, that's what's going on in Mark chapter 9. God's people, the disciples, were trying to help that boy find freedom and deliverance in God's kingdom and escape from Satan's control. They were trying to do what they had been created by God to do. The same way Minn Kota created this motor to push a boat, God had created his followers to help people find freedom in his kingdom. Friends, we have been created by God to know him and to function in his kingdom and to advance his kingdom. That's why you were created ultimately. Not to earn a living, that's part of it. Not to even raise children, that's part of it. We've been created to 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 know Him, to function in His kingdom according to His principles and to advance His kingdom. That's why you get out of bed in the morning. That's, what you sh- that's why you should get out of bed in the morning. So that's the first component is the, is the motor. The second part, a component of the system, is the battery. The battery has a job to do also. The battery has a job. The job of the battery is to empower the motor to fulfill its created purpose. You see, the motor is no good without the battery. A couple weeks ago, I had my, the first day of the vacation I had that we went down to see the fishers, the day before we left, I went fishing with my father. So my dad and I went, the, the white bass were still running in the Fox River, and we went up to Amro, and I took my boat, and I had my front mount trolling motor and my tiller mount trolling motor in the back, 
and the river was high and it rained and the river was very fast and it was very windy out. And we just started fishing. What we're doing is we're drifting down the current, um, trying at the front mount motor in, and I'm just maneuvering around trying to find where the fish are. And we're, we're casting with spinners, trying to find where the white bass are. And we come to a spot where the, it's kind of a bend in the river and the current was very strong and, and the boat starts getting very close to the trees. And, and so I kick the front mount trolling motor, which operates on a foot pedal, to try to pull me out of there and I can't get myself away from the bank. So I reach back and I hadn't used this yet, but it was on the boat, mounted there, ready to go. And I reached and I grabbed the rear mount trolling motor and I hit it and it wouldn't move the boat. And I thought, wow, this river is strong. I can't even move the boat with, my, with two trolley motors on. So I jumped out of my seat. I ran up. I fired up my gas motor, and I pulled out into the river before we hit all the branches and trees. And, and so we got out there. Well, we're fishing after that, and I grabbed my, tr- my trolley motor, and I hit the back one, and it doesn't work. And I looked down, and it's because one of the cables was disconnected. And what I found was, which anybody who has anything electrical or you know something about trolley motor, it doesn't work if it's disconnected. And so I, I thought it was hooked up, and I don't know, maybe I stepped in the cable and unplugged it or something, or disconnected it, but it wouldn't work because it was disconnected. You see, the battery was there to empower the trolley motor to do its job, but it was disconnected, so it couldn't do its job. See, understand in a system, God is the battery. God is the battery. It's His power that accomplishes everything. We cannot accomplish anything eternal without the empowerment of God by His Spirit through us. Jesus stated this so clearly in John chapter 15, verse 5, when He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. He didn't say a little. He says, apart from me you can do nothing. In the in the sense of our system today, that disconnected, you can do nothing. We need the empowerment of God to fulfill our created purposes. You cannot do what God made you to do without the power of God. Now, understandable so far? There's another component in the system. The other component is right here. It's the cables. It's the wire. You see, the, the cables have a job to do too. To the, the job of the cables is to link, it's the link that joins the battery to the motor so that the power can flow from the battery to the motor and the motor can do what it was created to do. The cables are the link. They're the things that make it all work. Understand something today. Your prayer relationship with God is the cable. Your prayer relationship with God is the cable. Your prayer relationship is the channel through which the power of God flows into our lives. It's the conduit through which the voice of God speaks to us about His will so that we can, with faith then, ask for Him to accomplish His will through us. It's the channel that allows the will of God to be heard so it can flow through us because we can ask then according to His will. Friends, without the connection, the battery is still there. Without the connection, the motor is still there. It still looks good. It was still created to do something. But the purpose that the motor was created to achieve goes unaccomplished if the cable is not connected. Friends, that's exactly 
what was happening with the disciples on that day in Mark chapter 9. That's exactly what was happening. These men who had earlier been sent out by Jesus in pairs to go and to preach and to heal and to cast out demons, and they were so effective at it, they came back and they were celebrating, saying, we can't believe it, even the demons listened to us. On this day, they find themselves unable to cast the demon out of this boy to set him free. They were unable to do what a follower of Christ is created to do. They couldn't do what God made them to do. And the thing that they're asking Christ about on this day is why had they been able to cast out demons before, but they could not do it with this boy on this day. And Jesus says very clearly, he said, because there's a prayer problem. Remember the last verse of the chapter of the, of the story. It's a prayer problem, he said. And I think what he meant by that becomes crystal clear as we look back to the very first verse that happened in this story. Look back at verse 14. You're going to understand what's going on here. He says, when they came back to the disciples, that's Jesus and the three close disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. And then in verse 16, it says, And he asked them, What are you discussing with them? And if you're reading at NIV, it says, What are you arguing about? A little stronger than what are you discussing? They come together, Jesus sees them, and they're arguing with the scribes about setting this boy free. This is key to understanding what's going on here. Because I imagine this is what's happening. That the scribes... See the disciples, the man, it says the father brought him to the son to Jesus. Jesus isn't there, so he brings him to his followers. And they're going to cast them out, and the scribes show up to watch what's going to happen. And the scribes are challenging them, or probably even criticizing them, for trying to cast this demon out of a boy. They're saying things probably like this, Hey, that's blasphemy to speak in the name of Jesus. He's no prophet, he's not God. We don't do it that way. We know how to do this, you're doing it wrong. And they begin to argue amongst themselves about the process. They begin to argue about theology. Exactly what's right, exactly what's wrong. And what I believe they say, you know, no, we're right, you're wrong. We're doing it the way Jesus said. And they say, well, who's Jesus? You're wrong. We're right. We've been doing this historically for thousands of years. And I think the, this interaction probably sounded a lot like the church world today. Arguing with each other about minor doctrinal differences. About how exactly something's supposed to get done. What we find is that they had the formulas. They knew what worked before. Because they'd been with Jesus before and done it before. But they lacked the power because they lacked the established, healthy prayer relationship that they needed to know God's will and to have God's power for the situation. Jesus is basically saying, the cable is disconnected. And the sad thing is, is they didn't even know it. That's why Jesus was so frustrated with him. That's why Jesus looks at him and says, How long shall I put up with you? You don't get it. Before he had distinctly said to him, Now you go to these towns and cast out demons. They heard his voice and did what he said. Now they're just kind of functioning on human autopilot. They're not in a connected relationship. They're not listening. Jesus said, How long will I put up with you? I've told you. You've got to have the relationship. But all you're doing is going through and saying, I know what happened, what worked in the past. Think with me, church. Do you see the warning for the church today in this situation? Can you see the warning that God is trying to, to shout to you and to me today? 
You see, like the scribes that day, who had history, and like the disciples who their history wasn't as long, but they had success in their history, we can have all the formulas. We can have all the programs that work before and work other places. They are nice and they are good and they are necessary. But if we have that without the life of prayer that really allows us to know God and to hear His voice, we will be powerless. That makes sense? And if we had a choice to choose one without the other, the one to choose would be the prayer relationship without all the programs. But you know what we tend to do in humanity? We choose all the programs because we can do it on our own. And we ignore the prayer relationship. But friends, you know what? We don't have to choose. We can have good systems. We can have great programs and still be people who get connected and stay connected to the Lord through daily, consistent prayer. It's going to look the same for everybody. Some of you, it's going to be in the morning, some in the afternoon, some in the evening, some while you're walking, some while you're jogging, some while you're quiet, you know, on the beach. It's going to look different for everybody. But we can be a people who get connected and stay connected to the Lord through daily prayer. It's not just the pastor's job. Friends, it's not about, what he's trying to say here, it's not about praying before a meal or praying in a time of need because that's what they were doing. They were praying at that time of need and they're saying, how come we're praying at this time of need and it's not working today? It's because that has to be an outflow of the lifestyle of connecting with God. We need to be a people who understand so clearly that we get the privilege of just taking time to be with Jesus. And I'll tell you this, there's things that have to give way for you to do that. Because life is busy. Life is obscenely busy a lot of times, especially it seems like when you have children running around. This, that, clamoring for your attention. And you say, I just don't have the time. I've got work, I've got kids, I've got responsibility. I'll tell you this, if you have all that, but you skip the just being with Jesus part, beyond my 60-second prayer devotion life as I, as I pick the little card off my kitchen table or from the bathroom sink in the morning and say, oh, I read my six-word verse for today. I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying, if that's all you have, what you'll get is a powerless life. But we can take time to be with Jesus. To just regularly, not, not, not religiously in the sense of condemnation and hard, fast rules, because what works for you doesn't work for me. But taking time to be alone in worship. Taking time to meet God and spend time in His Word privately as well as coming together and hearing it preached and proclaimed in church. Taking time to gather together for praise. Taking time just to be with Jesus. Putting Him in first place. He says that's what's needed. That's the connection. And without the connection, the, the, the person can't do what they were created to do because they're not connected to the source. You see, friends, God created us to be connected to Him. Originally, we walked with God in the cool of the day. No distinction. No separation. Sin entered in and changed it. But now He said, I make a better way for you. You can reconnect. That's what salvation is. We reconnect the power begins to flow again, but then we have a choice. Are we going to really stay connected or are we not going to stay connected? God created us to be connected to Him so that His power can flow through us 
and His will can be accomplished through us. Friends, that's what spiritual power is all about. You were created to do a job. Function in the kingdom. God has given us His power. He said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh for power. But the cable's got to be connected. It's all about the daily, regular prayer relationship with Jesus. If you're living Sunday to Sunday, you'll go to heaven, I think. Not a matter of salvation, I don't think. But you'll lack the power to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your life. You'll lack the power to, to fulfill your calling, your created being. And there's no satisfaction really in life outside of functioning as you were created by God to function. So today as we close, we may need to make some commitments to get connected. We may need to make some commitments to stay connected today. It's a great day to make a commitment to a prayer relationship that will empower you for the rest of your life. Ask God. Say, God, I've walked with you for a while now, and, and here's what I know about people when I talk about their prayer life. They're always frustrated, almost everybody. Ask God, God, what works for me? Show me what works for me. And make a commitment to get connected and stay connected. Maybe we need to clean off those connections. You know, one thing you know about your car battery and your connection is they get corroded sometimes. You've got to go in there with baking soda and water and clean them off in a scrub brush. You've got to clean them off and get the connection so the, flow, so the juice flows freely. Maybe we need to clean off those connections today so the relationship with God is unhindered. Maybe there's some corrosion from sin or distractions that needs to be confessed and repented of, turned away from. It's a good day to do that. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to talk to the Lord about how He wants you to get connected and stay connected. But you know what? I know there's a possibility this morning that somebody in here says, I'm not connected at all. See, I've never, I've never had the, the connections put on. I was created to function with God, but, but I've never asked Christ into my life. And the, the connections have never come in place. Because of that, I, I may be religious, but I don't, I don't have Jesus in my heart and life. Friends, God wants to give you an opportunity to respond to Him today. I invite us as a church just to stand. Would you join me in a moment of prayer, a moment of silence? There's a moment of introspection. God, we want to get connected and stay connected, and we know the first step in that is understanding that we need you as Savior and Lord. Understanding that, that there's a day, there's a specific moment in time that we acknowledge that we need you. And God, we know there's no certain...